Uh, hello and welcome to episode 47 of what we're listening 48. to. 48? 48. 48. It's even worse. Uh, coming to you live <laughs> from my midlife crisis yacht. My name is uh, Josh. I am one of your hosts. And with me is uh, my friend and the mortal enemy of every black band t-shirt inventor, Asher. How you doing, Chief? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Yeah, what does yeah. that even mean? <laughs> I thought you were going to make a joke about my midlife crisis synthesizer addiction or oh. something like that, but, you know, just as bad as yachts. Yes, that's also not over yet, so we'll, we'll see how that llama keeps going. I was looking up, like, the price of Moog synths, and there's, like, the Mothership, which is $27,000 <laughs> or something like this. What a name. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it sounds. Uh, I have yeah. a pad ready and a pen because you said this was an extensive quiz. Yes. Well, okay. Since we haven't, uh, let's just be honest. No, we we haven't personally yeah. recorded in a little while. Um, we've missed a number of large record anniversaries. Yes. Um, specifically, um, Michael Jackson's Thriller is one of them. Um, um, I thought you were going to say uh, Enema of the State. <laughs> I was. I was. That one is on my list somewhere. It's uh, up there with Thriller, right? <laughs> So as you may know, Asher, Thriller is one of the uh, largest selling records in the history of mankind. So I I have from Wikipedia the top five uh, international Mm. record sales. I have both the numbers and the names, and I want you to Mm. match the names with the numbers. Oh, okay. Hold on one second. Let me. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so we have in first place with 50.2 million album sales. Yeah. And we have second place with 41.2. Yeah. And we have third place with 30. Yeah. We have fourth place with 28.7. And then fifth place with 21.9. And this is great. Great podcast material. I know. (laughs) And your options are uh, the, the Eagles' greatest hits, volume one. Which doesn't even have Hotel California on it, by the way, which I think is crazy. Sure. Uh, Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. Yep. Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard soundtrack. What the hell is that? <laughs> Michael Jackson's Thriller and ACDC's Black, Back in Black. Uh, Whitney Houston uh, is famous because of having the, um, the cover of I Will Always Love You on it. Okay. I don't even know what Bodyguard is. The Bodyguard, it's a movie. It's a, it's a film. Okay. So right. I want um, you to try and match, and you'll get however many points, however many you get right, obviously. Okay. All right. Here's my, here's my verdict. Sure. I reckon Thriller is 50.2. ACDC is 41.2. Eagles is 30. Bat Out of Hell is 28.7. And whatever the bodyguard is, is 21.9. <laughs> okay, well, you got Thriller correct. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Unfortunately, the rest of those are incorrect. Uh, tell me tell me the correct order. So, uh, number one is Michael Jackson. And these are, yeah. uh, what's the word? Confirmed album sales. They're like, there are numbers floating around which are more but aren't confirmed by like company sales. It's weird. Um, sure. So Michael Jackson's first, the Eagles are second with 41 million sales. Oh, right. Uh, um, ACDC is third, which I still find insane. And then fourth is Whitney Houston, and fifth is Meatloaf. Okay. I would have thought that ACDC would have been higher, personally. I mean, third in the history of the world is not terrible. No, it's not terrible at all. I just, I know, like, <laughs> anyway, I just know how many, like, how big that album was or how big they are. So, yeah, anyway. Have you ever okay, actually listened that's... to the uh, the Thriller album all the way through? No, I haven't, mm. I must confess. I mean, I probably know a lot of the tracks, but I've never been a massive MJ fan. Sure. Like, I like a couple of tracks here and there, but I've never been super into, like, 80s pop kind of stuff yeah so it just never was um never was played around my home as a kid and i mean like little bits of michael jackson i think my parents had the best of or something it was the one with mj carved out of marble or something on the front 
<laughs> I'm not familiar with that garbage truck. <laughs> Maybe it's something else, but yeah. So um, yeah, I like a couple of his songs, but yeah, I, you you can put it on the list if you like. Sure. Um, cool. Either way, happy anniversary to Thriller and Enema of yeah. the State as well. Yeah, where's Enema? Why is that Enema, the unfortunately, five? is not in the top five highest selling records of all time. Not in the top 500, I'm sure. What does it say about our society? Um, that is all the quiz I have. Uh, do you have a catch-up, sir? I don't really, because uh, nah, we talked about them. No, it's, I mean, it's going to be all in the, the body of this episode. We've got lots and lots of things to chat about. Well, I, I do have a question um, for you. Sure. Since we've last talked, you got to see Bier play live. Yes. Yeah. I was going to mention that later, but I can oh. totally talk about that now. Um, so I got to see Bier open for Laney at the Horden Pavilion a couple of weeks back. Um, and it was a very good set. Um, I have written down, I think I shared it with you, what he played. He played a very nice mix of songs. So he opened with Autumn from um, his latest album, then launched straight into Profit, which was excellent. Um, after that was the new single, Hotel. I don't know if you've heard this one. Oh, okay. Did you catch that? I have given it a listen, yeah. Yeah. Then Going to the Sun from the EP that you love. And Firefall after that from his uh, debut album. And then ended with um, him lifted the revised version of him. So it was a pretty yeah. pretty killer set that, that covered like, like every every one of his releases. It <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was nice because um, he had a four piece um, with yeah, uh, bass player, guitarist slash 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 synth player, drummer, and then he was on keys with triggering some samples and that sort of thing it was a really full sound like great use of mixture of you know pre-recorded um parts as well as stuff that was played live and the sound was great the horden has great uh sound and it was really really like deep and full and um i yeah it was it was really immaculate set so i wish it could have gone on another half hour <laughs> it was just the opener um but it was really good so shout out to Bier for a great set Good on you. Good, yeah. Good on you. On, also, before we do reviews, you saw my funny text. I didn't realise that Andy Shelf was doing an Australian tour. <laughs> and the day of realising that he was playing in Sydney, I saw this this post. And so I totally missed the Andy Shelf tour and I'm very sad. But if you live in Australia, you can probably catch Queensland or something like that. But by the time this podcast goes out, it's probably all over. Sad times. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. sure it would have been great. He'll be back one day, hopefully. <laughs> one day. Well, I'm good to move on to reviews. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, so it's... A lot good, to talk about, Got yeah. a review time. <laughs> okay, so the reason Josh and I haven't recorded in a while, well, part of the reason is that um, I have been doing some interviews, um, kind of... Uh, yes, yeah, some surprise interviews. One of them hasn't come out yet, but the other one has. Um, and so I got to chat with John Van Dusen recently about his new album, Marathon Days, which is the fourth installment in his I Am Origami series. So just for a little bit of context, uh, John Van Dusen is a singer-songwriter from Washington State, and he has been a part of a band called The Lonely Forest, which were... Um, quite big and uh, while he was writing for The Lonely Forest he came up with like a lot of other songs that didn't quite fit with what he was doing with The Lonely Forest and so he decided to do a multi-part album series called I Am Origami which um, is kind of like pop rock, um, <laughs> nouveau Christian pop rock. Um, it's It has the sound of stuff which was out in the thousands in the kind of contemporary christian music slash pop rock uh, sphere at the time um but the lyrics and themes are not very of that thing it's not really kind of like dating and college and stuff like that it's all um like a lot of christian themes but also kind of introspection and uh, human experience and that sort of thing and 
John Van Dusen and I dive in quite deeply to a lot of the bigger themes on that uh, album, but overall, um, I've really enjoyed this whole album series. Mm. I think part four isn't my favourite of the four. Um, I think part three is my favourite, but part four is a really great mix of all of the rest, in my opinion. Did you get to listen to part four in the end? Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I did a little bit. It's. I think it's worth mentioning, like you said, that this is part of a, a larger whole project. He wants people to kind of see the evolution from one to four as well. So um, mm. I have been going through it. I must admit to uh, be playing catch up with you, Asher, as it going... I've started at the beginning, like last week after editing the interview, like, okay, I should get around this. Um, That's very kind of you. Yeah. No, it's been enjoyable. I, um, it's quite funny as a, a longtime Pacific Northwesterner, it's kind of like, there's only really like kind of two major sounds that evolve out of this area. And on one hand, mm. it's like super angsty grunge. And on the other hand, it's kind of like this branch of alt pop, which is like a little bit Death Cab for Cutie kind of mm. inspired, but like different. But you kind of get those pieces still. So to me, this sounds very um, familiar without being actually listened to it before. Um, yeah. 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 It has a lot of nostalgia to that sound. And I think I think it's what kind of drew me in at first. Um, and then I stayed for like good themes and lyrics. So... Yeah, it's it's a pretty neat um, album. I I think I really loved all the singles. Mm. So like, Oh Sweetest Name, um, Uninspired, Blowing Smoke is pretty great. The title track, Marathon Days, Boring is a really great song. And then um, Universal Will to Become is pretty great. And um, interestingly, he released his, the EP, The Content D-Sides, uh, in the full album on Bandcamp as well so it's quite a big mammoth yes thing. it is a yeah. lot of songs to go through <laughs> <laughs> he said on the interview he was going to release it later but i think he just was like yeah i'll just check it on so <laughs> um, um yeah if you get a chance like listen all the way through it's a pretty it's a pretty cool you know there's mixtures of all sorts of stuff in yeah. there like you know he um you if you got to listen to the whole uh, interview like he has so many different bands like he's got buffet which is his like hardcore punk sort of thing and then he's got other ones like telephone friends and then there's lonely forest and then he's like making ambient stuff and then he puts noise things on this so <laughs> he's quite a prolific dude yes and, um yeah so i enjoyed it i i really um i've really enjoyed the journey of of kind of hearing john van jason's sound and so it was a real honor to chat to him and, and thanks also to you josh for editing that one for me <laughs> pleasure it was fun to listen to i i can't imagine um how kind of relieving it would be to finish something like this like to put a cap mm. on a multi-decade long project like this yeah 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 because i think he said that some of the songs were as written as early as did you say 2009 or something? I yeah, can't remember. But a while like, ago. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a big, big task. And, like, he is doing it pretty indie. Like, you know, three of the four parts have been released just independently. So mm. um, as far as I know, oh, no, I think he has a, part three was on Tooth and Nail Records, which is a big Christian label. But the other ones, I think, are just out through indie labels. I'm going to get that wrong. But anyway, it just <laughs> go over and go over and check him out and support him on Bandcamp. They're like a dollar. So yeah, do you know, it. give him give him ten. He's legit. <laughs> yeah. It, tell me what you've been listening to. I got it wrong, but now I have got it right. <laughs> it's been a long, confusing week. I Oh man. Um to the surprise of honestly nobody, I have been listening to a new um neo folk Irish album. Um yes. as I describe it. Um, so this is a duo from Ireland called Ye Vagabonds, their latest album, Nine Waves. Uh, and so because this is a two-man operation, uh, a number of their songs are um, compositionally a little more sparse, I think, than some of the bands that have come out. But the, the mm. real focus, I think, is on 
their ability to harmonize and then uh, the kind of traditional compositions of instruments that they have. Um, and it's quite beautiful. I've been, I've been really, obviously really enjoying, this is kind of right up my alley. Uh, yeah. But these two guys, especially the, the second one who does most of the harmonizing uh, is really gorgeous. I don't often appreciate that talent, uh, but it's a lot of non uh, regular harmonizations that kind of come out of this um, Irish tradition. So they, they pull it off mm. really well. Um, and then on top of that, I think this, this particular album is a little more uh, dense, darker, like there's some kind mm. of more ambient notes and um, like strings in the background that are doing odd things rather than traditional things. Uh, and they kind of that whole stuff kind of builds together and yeah i think it's um it's maybe not as <clears throat> experimental uh as some of the other contemporaries coming out at this time like john francis flynn with like his weird kind of jazz yeah. elements but it's definitely more traditional and tied down and really i don't know like uh, they have some music videos of them or like live videos of them, like playing canoes and like going through like <laughs> large lakes and it's like all very idealistic and you can kind of get that vibe when you listen to it. Was that the cottage core? Um, is that <laughs> similar? Is that what you're talking about? Or <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of elements of it. Like you could like, like if you played this in, like a nature scene, it wouldn't be out of touch, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you sent me some of the videos and they're very, yeah, it's very homegrown sort of. It, oh, hang on. Who's the cellist? That was the one you reviewed oh, last yes. time or talked about. Uh, that is not these dudes. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is his name? Uh, Sorry. Uh, that's right. His name is Patrick Dexter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you've been really getting into like a lot of acoustic kind of uh, folky uh, northern hemisphere kind of UK scene. I listened to, so I was I accidentally listened to Pedro the Lion instead, which was great. We could talk about that later, but um, um, I I'm, I listened to Yay Vagabonds as well, and I really enjoyed how like just peaceful it was, mm. like um. Yeah, John Francis Flynn is really intense and I loved that as kind of like a really focused art piece. Um, but this one I had kind of had on the background, in the background and just, yeah, it was beautiful. Just as I've been around the home listening to it, it's cold here and yeah. it's a nice touch to that. Um, so <laughs> it's a beautiful sound and, and uh, definitely a very authentic sort of feel to, yeah, new new old folk, if you can put it like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I love this kind of modern rise of folk music that's coming out of the Irish scene. Um, yeah. And obviously, I think these guys deserve to be getting some more attention out of that kind of thing. Mm. But it's definitely, yeah, I mean, I love this kind of stuff. I could listen to it forever. Yeah, no, it's great. This is your year of like Irish folk or, you know, last year was, uh, was it shoegaze last year? Or was that the year before that? I can't oh. remember. <laughs> I'm being a good boy and staying away from the shoegaze subreddit. Oh, nice. They always have the, it was new, actually, the new tips. Maybe it's a conversation for another time, but John Van Dusen was talking about how Starflyer 59 are like yeah. on one of the shoegaze lists. And I actually haven't listened to enough of them properly, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Yay, Vagabonds. So did you want to do a twofer? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this because by the time this episode goes out, um, John Ringhofer, Half Handed Cloud's new album is going to be out too. And so, you know, all going well and the edit's fine, that sort of thing. I also have an interview with John Ringhofer about his new album, Flutterama. But I wanted to also mention it here um, just because... My yeah, this is what I've been listening to. I I've kind of been dousing myself in <laughs> a few different albums, and um, I'm really grateful to John and Asthmatic Kitty for sending me the album early to be able to review it and chat to John. So, Flutterama is Half-Handed Cloud's seventh LP. Um, I mentioned last episode that he had a single out. 
and that, you know, there's a, a vinyl and a tape and, you know, and there's tote bags and all this like kind of cool stuff. The big, so I'll give you like broad themes because I discuss it in great detail with John himself, but for listeners who want a kind of abridged version, here it is. <laughs> um, so the, the album is like uh, the Flutterama is fluttering between the highs and lows of life, either the Christian life or just life in general. Um, it has probably some of um, John's like hardest lyrics on his albums. Like he's often a very cheery guy and this music is very cheerful and upbeat. But it has, it has um, songs which deal with death and songs which deal with kind of like some pretty tough things. Not, you know, we're not talking about like Mount Erie, but we're talking about similar themes but dealt with in a very different way. Mm. Um, and the sound is really interesting too. Like he's focused on tape. Um, so more and more, I think over the course of John's career, he's like uh, kind of dabbled in different ways of manipulating sound. And we talk about how on these Jiminy Circuits EP, he uses all synthesizers. And in this one, he uses none. Like he, it's all um, manipulated sounds using tape. Wow. One of my favorite examples is uh, Swallowing the Water You Walk On. Now, this is my favorite track on the album. It's one of the singles. So uh, I don't know if you had time to listen to it, but um, it it has this melody at the start, which is played on piano. And then you can hear the melody being bent up and down. And that's literally him pushing and pulling tape at different times to change the pitch of the note. <laughs> and it reminded me of the Sleepy Man Banjo Boys, where... Um, they're a group that um, you might have seen them. They did this thing on Letterman and he plays a melody, you detuning the banjo at different points. Like, so the melody is played with the detuned strings up and down and the gliss and the slide is part of the melody. So all throughout this album, you hear like tape manipulation, sped up, distorted. I don't even quite know how it works, but somehow he's modified sounds using just tape and no synths. So crazy dude. I mean, yeah, I've always considered that to be a bit of a lost art because that's kind of how they used to do stuff in the 60s and 70s, obviously. Um, yeah. De, um, Darby, uh, what's her name who did the Doctor Who theme? Um, oh, oh. Do you know her? No. So she is a very famous... Um, Tape manipulator? Delia, Delia, sorry. What was that? Keep going. Delia Derbyshire. She worked at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Um, um, and yeah, so I think that was using a lot of interesting, but I think it uses a bit of synths as well, but, you know, she, she did some pretty crazy yeah. stuff involving tape manipulation and... Um, yeah, synthesizers and electronic music. So, yeah, she's pretty rad, though John will know more about that than I would. Because <laughs> yeah. the one I always think of is the um, uh, the Beatles song, uh, Strawberry Fields Forever, which is like different mm -hmm. takes, which has been spliced together um, mm. because they're at different speeds and in different tunings. Like the tapes have to be manipulated to like kind of make them adjust to be the same, which is where you oh, get that gosh. weird kind of chorus bit from. Um, right yeah the, everything kind of goes all wild so that's kind of yeah it's like a legitimate talent that people have and I'm, I'm impressed that john's still using it basically yeah yeah it's every time i listen like he every time i listen i kind of try and picture how he's recording things and yeah he has such a great attention to detail so i don't want to go on too long because you'll hear more later on but i've really enjoyed this album i think it's a great next album from uh, Flying Squirrel, Flight Control and Stowaways and that sort of thing. It's a nice combination of all these different albums. Mm. Like some songs sound a lot like earlier pieces and then some a bit like Flying Scroll, and then some a bit like the EPs he's done in between. So it's a really, it's a really cool mix of different sounds. And I, uh, yeah, but like I said to him, it feels like I am only one layer deep on the onion like, yeah. and there's so much more to go and I feel like I could have a year to work on this and, <laughs> and still discover more. So yeah, anyway, that's uh, 
That's me with my two reviews. <laughs> my, my twofer. Your twofer. I guess it's homework time then. Yes, let's do it. So I gave Josh like another nostalgic sort of sound. <laughs> if John Van Dusen is the pop rock, you know, nostalgia sound. Um, this album that I gave Josh is kind of like the early thousands el- electronic. Well, what would you describe it? I gave him Mute Maths uh, title, uh, self-titled album. I think it's their first one. Um, and this is an album which I was introduced to by maybe our mutual friend Nick Freestone or maybe some other people as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so this... Yeah, I I really love the production and kind of interesting use of rhythms on this album and kind of thought it's a worthwhile album pointing out um, if you hadn't heard it, but you've actually seen them live, haven't you? Yes, I uh, this tweaked a bit of something in my memory. Um, I think I had maybe two of the main singles off of this record on like a compilation disc mm-hmm. from a from a warp tour that I had seen them play at. Um Blink One Eight Two, right? <laughs> yeah. So I've heard like typical and I think chaos yep. before. Like I've heard them places and um it's kind of like brought me back to two thousand and five. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Early um, thousands. Yeah. Uh either so way. So tell me don't yeah. have to spend ages on it, but tell me what you thought of it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's pretty evident from like at least a shallow, uh, go through the, the most, um, standout thing on this is the drumming. Um, as you kind of pointed out to me before, yeah. um, Darren King, uh, mm. was the drummer at this yeah. point. Um, and he's doing a lot of like overtime work on these songs. Like, <laughs> like, it's not like it's out of place, but it like some of the songs don't deserve the, le- the level of like hardness that he's going with. <laughs> you listen to typical, it just like fills out of the chorus. It's just like bombastic. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's really fun. And it's also like the production is going hand in hand with that as well. It's really pushing the drums to the front. So you can't miss them. Um, mm. Like the kicks and the snare are like really flat, but really front in the, in the sound. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Cause that's like a, a really popular mixing technique now for like rap and hip hop and trap music and really is mm. not like held at all in the rock scene where you have like the rhythm sections kind of just kind of forgotten about at this point. Um, or a bit boomy maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So it's kind of like really flat, really in your face drums is much more popular mm. in others in other kinds of scenes. I find funny. Um, mm. Yeah. I, uh, I found myself really enjoying probably counter to you, the more kind of like anthemic songs rather than like the okay. j- the jammy ones. I kind of skip over the jammy ones a little bit. Um, yeah. And uh, even I think my, my favorite song on the album is probably the least popular one from looking at Spotify. The second last song, the like the seven minute kind of uh, out. S- slower, more, um interesting yeah i don't know i i really enjoyed that a lot more i feel like Mm. if if you give it that kind of time you can kind of see things come together a bit better um yeah i don't know yeah they've had a pretty big like discography evolution and all these different things like my brother brothers-in-law have seen them once or twice Mm. And they would kill me for, you know, not talking about the other songs, but I just don't know their, the rest of their discography <laughs> as much as this one. But, yeah, they, they have a very wide range of sounds at times. Yeah, to okay. me, my favourite song on the album is Reset, which is the last song and it's an instrumental. Yeah. Um, and that kind of shows the lean which I have, which is I really love the jammy sort of um, kind of a bit experimental. Yeah. But like this the thing that really attracted me was when you see reset live, there's this call and response thing that's happening between like triggered drum samples done by the lead guy and Darren King. And they're kind of calling, responsing between the two. And I just love that. I think it's 
you know, the way that they play live really matches their sound. Like yeah. they're just kind of totally in it. it yeah. It's really high quality, really tight, well together. <clears throat> yeah. It's yeah. And yeah. And um I think they're even on um Letterman at one point and I think they play typical there and maybe it's just urban legend stuff, but I think Darren King has to have his headphones strapped to his head, like because he's just all over the place, like moving around and and then he trash things a bit at the end. And it's just he's he just has so much energy. Um I, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know how he does it. I've I've seen Darren King get interviewed on like a musician drum show. Um hmm. and one of like the first talking points they have with him is that he is by far the loudest drummer they've ever had in the studio. Like normally like regular headphones and like earplugs work and it's not enough to like drown oh, out the sound that he beats these heads with. Um, so, and you can kind of get that impression with how he plays, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. He just puts everything into it. Yeah. Uh, it kind of makes you sad. The, the bass parts are really boring. <laughs> uh, I didn't feel like they were totally boring, but I, there's not as much happening. Yeah. Like there's something to, to me, like it's really, like, if there's like a sick rhythm section, like two guys who are like doing stuff together. Sick, man. I don't, I don't know. Like if you take the, like the bass parts of like the guy from Kings of Leon and like put them with uh, Darren King. I think it has like the potential to be like something really cool. But for the most part, yeah. I didn't really notice like any of the bass work on this record. Too, too busy listening to multiple bar fills that are happening. <laughs> It's like um, what's that? What's that um, Kings of Leon song that we used to do the with the bass part? Oh, like Charmer, yeah, yeah. Imagine Charmer with Darren King. I think that'd be <laughs> awesome. Anyway, Jeez. I I I yeah. really enjoyed this album for the most part. That's maybe the mood that I'm in, but um, yeah, cool. I uh, it definitely took me back a little bit. It was nice to have like a a bit of a loud record, but it's not uh unapproachable. It's it's very mm-hmm. like. Uh, it's very easy to like kind of get into the record and let it play. So that's been fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was a little bit like, I don't know whether this is just my nostalgia talking sure. or, or it's uh it's a good record. I have trouble discerning the two sometimes. <laughs> Me too. It happens. Uh, speaking right. of heavy nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what. Tell people what you gave oh, me. Man. I don't know if this is a mistake or not. Um, it's it's fine. <laughs> I, I rarely share this band with people because of how strange they are in my eyes. Um, so marking the twentieth anniversary of this album, I decided to give uh, Asher uh, the breakout record from Welsh band McCluskey called McCluskey Do Dallas, and this was. Uh, very much the soundtrack of my grade nine year in high school. Um, McCluskey are a three piece noise rock band um, that are very uh, crude, uh, very combative and uh, very cheeky, which is kind of why I loved them at the time. Um, (laughs) And the the You're just ba- a crude, combative, cheeky yeah. person, Joshua. <laughs> the, the 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 bass work is what really drew me in when I was younger because I was just starting mm. to learn to play the instrument. And here's this kind of like heavy, overdriven lead bass parts that are just kind of nothing like I've ever heard of before. Um, so yeah. I decided to give this to Asher to have a bit of a loud episode, as also for the first time in my memory, McCleskey are actually touring this record around North America. So I get to see them in oh September, my. which is going to be so much fun. Oh my goodness. I've, wow. I've dreamt me and my buddies from high school have dreamt of the day of seeing this band live since we've been about 14 years old. So oh man, <laughs> what do you think That'll about be this? Like when Sun Lux finally come to Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you think about this strange That's record, great. Asher? Oh man. So this is the 20th anniversary because it came out in 2002, right? Yes. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to accidentally call them McLutsky because <laughs> I keep thinking of Nick Lutsko, but, but McLutsky, do Dallas or do Dallas, do, do, I don't do know. Dallas. So 
So I quite enjoyed this. This feels a little idols. It feels like very unhinged and yes. meta. Like, so um, some of these tracks I'm just going to call by their numbers. Uh, so <laughs> I really liked. I really liked how kind of yeah you're right. It's the cheeky, tongue-in-cheek, self-deprecating. So track seven made me laugh. It that's like them taking themselves not seriously at all. Yeah. It's like this band cusses too much. You know, this band is not nice. They always get into fights or all this kind of thing. So, <laughs> and disclaimer for anyone who decides to play this playlist, the tracks I'm choosing to put on here, just don't play around kids. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> the opening track is pretty great. It's, it's so dumb, but it's, I love the kind of acapella bits, you know, where the band cuts and it's just him and his raspy voice. Like, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's kind of like calling on those blues sort of uh, traditions, but doing them in a in a a traditional way. So that was pretty fun. Um, I like then on like new wave, no fun, no new wave, no fun. It's kind of like that falsetto, broken sort of vocal pop sort of sound. I like that. Um, Collegian rock is <laughs> is so ratty. The like the riff. I think I think it's great when you have a three piece because you've got nothing to hide behind. Like, yeah. I want to do a riff. All that's going to be left is the bass and the drums. Like, there's no second guitar to kind of cover up the the space which is left. <laughs> so he's doing this like riff, and it's just like bare bass. Like, it's probably distorted, I think, and then drums and that sort of thing. It's very very funny. So um, I like that. Yeah, and I think D Think to Survive is like frantic and, you know, over the top and and like I said, track seven is very funny. <laughs> to Hell with Good Intentions is always also quite meta and interesting. Um, but I, I think it's like I don't think I like them as much as idols. Like I think mm. for me I like idols because they're chaotic but also have really interesting kind of meaning behind their songs. Yeah. And I feel like McCluskey, <laughs> McCluskey are just like trying to troll everyone. There's a lot, a lot of nonsense naughty. in these songs. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so like that's fun and, you know, it's, it's it, are all their albums like this, just kind of jokes and yes. self-deprecating? Yeah, More or less, it. yes. Um, I mean, it was a different time in 2002 for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's a bit of that like truman's water kind of chaos but um but more you know yeah again meta for fall breaking sort of thing sweaty sweaty yeah so <clears throat> yeah so if people want to kind of hang them on something it reminds me of idols but but probably way more unhinged so <laughs> i enjoyed it I, I enjoyed the listen i was listening back to the tracks last night just kind of chuckling to myself at how ridiculous they yeah. were but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mind it. Uh, I'm always curious as to what the barometer of McCluskey does to people when they listen to them. No, I wasn't like offended. I wasn't, you yeah. know, kind of like, oh, it's just, it's just funny stuff. I, I like that there's people making all sorts of music out there, even if I wouldn't make it myself. <laughs> yeah. So this is the band. I was like searching around for like new videos to see if they were touring at all like a little while ago. Mm. This is where I came across the, um, oh, who's that freaking mandolin player? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thiel? Col- um, no. Yeah. Chris, um, Chris Thiel. Um, Chris Thiel. Yeah. I came across him covering McCluskey's songs and that my, my brain fried. Like I Why? couldn't compartmentalize those two things together. This is, yeah. Anyway. They're so, not very pretty. Yeah. And like to do it with like a mandolin and like a four piece string section anyway i i i feel like they're like a hidden gem that every so often i see like a reference to somebody might know them but they're still kind of unknown which is kind of why i love them i guess as well they're just kind of a very acquired mm. taste did you say they're welsh yes yeah <laughs> the, cool the best thing to come out of wales since tom jones <laughs> is the joke <laughs> right Wow, that's cool. No, hey, man. no, thanks for sharing. They're, they're a bit of a hoot. So. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Should we move into our honorable mentions? Yes, please. 
Okay, so I, I have quite a few honorable mentions, so you guys strap in for these. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm leaning back and taking a drink. Uh, before we get to the majority of what I'm listening to, I'll get to a couple small ones first. Um, so uh, uh, a song from a artist called Rick Montgomery. And this is a song called Settle Down. It's kind of a cute alternative pop song. Um, great summer vibes. Uh, I saw it tweeted out by somebody, I forget who, um, but it's kind of been in the back of my head for when the sunny days eventually pop out in Vancouver. Um, never. Never. And then the second one was uh, talking about Bierre, the ho- song Hotel. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still uh, very much in the style of his second album, um, though with a lot more guitar work, which I found is interesting. Because usually he's a more of a piano centric composer. Um, mm. So it's kind of like a like a mini guitar solo, or yeah, it's. I don't, I'm not sure what I make of it yet, to be honest with you. It wasn't super memorable to me. Like I can't quite sing it in my head. Yeah. Um, but it was nice live. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. and then third, uh, is uh Brett McKenzie. Um, who you might recognize from Flight of the Concords. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. Brady, uh, for a long time, has done a, a non-comedic musical projects. He's actually been a part of a number of bands. Uh, he was part of a, a New Zealand-based reggae band that I was a fan of for a while. Um, what? And then his like, stuff where... Uh, his songs for the Muppets, which he won an Oscar for. Like He's got yeah. like musical chops outside of comedy. Um, Mm. so he is making his own album for the first time. Um, and Hmm, it's not comedic, though still kind of cheeky, you know, he's, he's a funny guy, but it's not like a comedic record. Um, and so he's released one single called a little tune. And to me, it's very, uh, like seventies, Paul McCartney, a little bit of Randy Newman, a little mm-hmm. bit of like the crowded house kind of Finn brothers touch. Um, it's simple at first and then kind of grew on me the more I listened to it, to be honest. Um, mm. So give it a shot. I mean, I'm a fan of Brett, so it's, uh, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be giving this whole record a shot when it comes out. Um, nice. When did you say it's coming out? I don't actually know. I think it's in the summertime or okay. my summertime. Um, cool. And then lastly, uh, uh yes uh by and large i've been listening to what i uh qualify in my spare time as uh sad cowboy music it's not a yes. real uh <laughs> it's not a real like genre of this um it's kind of a vibe um i'll say the two main culprits have been the new wilco record uh to kind mm. of get me started in the area and then the lord huron album which i think we've talked about before but I've been going yeah. back to a lot, to be honest. Um, it's kind of it kind of keeps coming back, sneaking back on me. Um, when was this? When did this new album of Lord Who Runs? I think come it out? came out last year. Okay, maybe two years ago even. Um, so I and a, a whole bunch of other tracks I've I have assembled. I'll put them on the playlist, but I won't talk about them all. Um, it's been one That's of cool. the uh, grayest, coldest springs. Uh, summers on Vancouver record recently. Um, right. So the kind of the vibe is like, you know, a, a bit, a bit dour, but sad cowboy music is kind of the perfect, the perfect middle ground for that kind of stuff. Um, and at the moment it's, I can't get enough of it. So it's going, yeah. it's going on there. I haven't tackled the Wilco album yet, but it's you large. and my mom keep going on about it. So I'll get there. I, yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of their first two records, to be honest, um, which were m- much more country than their recent stuff. But you have the mm. obviously the added benefit of uh, Nels Klein doing weird slide guitar this time around, which is kind of fun. Yeah, nice. Anyway, those yeah, are my I'm also mentions. No, no, I'm also a big uh, Lord Huron fan, um, but from ages ago. And I think I mentioned that last time you talked about them, that... 
I really enjoyed what I've heard. There's a great, yeah, it is that kind of melancholy sound, but it's also got a bit of upbeatness. So you, yeah. I guess you get a bit confused sometimes about what direction we're heading and what genre we are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, now I'll check those out. Um, so I have a, just a couple I'm going to throw around. Um, so old guitarist from Gang of Youths. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name. He, after Gang of Youths, started his own record label called Broth Records here in Sydney. And I've been checking out some of their stuff. But he has now started a new project called Pay, P-E-I. And he's got one single out called Honest. And it's quite beautiful. It's like a little bit Bonnie the multi-track vocal kind of folky sort of stuff. And it's been doing the rounds on Triple J kind of stuff. And uh-huh. um, he's been, you know, playing playing a little bit around Sydney. And so I think he's got a full release coming out soon. And it's really cool to hear what his kind of music is, after, like post-gang and uh, just keeping an eye on his music because uh, I'm interested. So I'll chuck that in the playlist. Yeah, for sure. Um. A few random ones. Um, Even Oxen has been writing some more. Oh. So um, I missed it. Some stuff from earlier in the year. Um, they're just kind of a couple of singles, but I'll chuck them on the playlist too. Kind of noisy, quiet. He always does such interesting production um, <laughs> and interesting artwork. Kind of like such a strange combo of experimentalism with like very straight scripture or um yeah it's it's such an interesting sound and i will keep being interested in eve noxon's work so yeah that's cool um and then a couple of things like related to my conversation from with john van dusen Mm. um he recommended listening to another mount erie album because um john van dusen knows phil elvram from mount erie and the microphones and um, they're both from the Anacortes, Washington area. And so I listened to Mount Erie's follow-up album from A Crow Looked At Me called Now Only, which is a different kind of devastating. Um, it's the kind of devastating where Phil is now experiencing a lot of attention because of his A Crow Looked At Me album, and mm. he's being flown out to gigs all around the place and playing these these devastating songs and feeling a bit numb and a bit kind of picking up the pieces and the reality of, you know, looking after his daughter, after his wife's death, but also kind of trying to kind of solidify her legacy as an artist and all this kind of thing. And it's, it's a fantastic listen again. I just don't know how he writes such amazing songs. I guess it's the honesty and rawness of the, the subject and the themes that kind of bring out songs which you feel are definitely not faked, if that makes sense. Yeah. But um, I highly recommend listening to the song Distortion. So he's got these like this 10-minute epic called Distortion on the album and it's kind of like grips you and the words kind of roll out in this stream of consciousness sort of thing with this crazy sort of production where he'll like, strum a bass chord which has got opened discordant strings and the music's like matching the themes of the lyrics and yeah i it's just um it's quite stunning so check that out if you feel like something a little bit intense (laughs) um and i'll end on something last a bit of a random one who was the person that you knew when john van dusen recommended um marty o'dowell was it marty o'donnell Marty O'Donnell, sorry. Um, so John Van Dusen knows the guy who wrote the Destiny soundtrack and Halo and that sort of thing. Yeah, come on, man. Halo theme song is like one of the most, I don't know, touchstone of like Western gaming songs ever made. Sorry, I'm not trying to make light of it. I was just trying to get my facts right. <laughs> um, yeah, so really interestingly, I have been doing a deep dive into Bungie's old stuff because I grew up playing the Marathon Trilogy and Myth and Oni 
And um, Ladia O'Donnell wrote the music for Oni and the Myth series as well, which mm. I didn't realize at the time when I was chatting to John Van Dusen. So he's written some fantastic music. And I just was like, stick a pin in that, like check out some of his music. Obviously, probably everyone knows the uh, the um, um, Halo theme and, and that sort of thing. But I just wanted to like note about interesting music surrounding Bungie, their early stuff and also their later stuff and that connection because I've been re-listening to the Marathon soundtrack, which wasn't Marty O'Donnell, but it was connected to Bungie and stuff like that. So anyway, I don't know if this is a useful honourable mention, but... (laughs) I'll try and find some links that make sense. But well, the brain also, is a bit of a mech, mess. It's also unfortunate because Marty doesn't work with Bungie anymore. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. After his little, I don't know a lot about new Bungie, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. After this stuff he did with Destiny 1 with him, he stopped working with him. So it's kind of the, the end of that relationship, which is kind of funny. Right. Anyway, okay. I think, yeah, I think you can Marty. You this bit out if it doesn't make sense. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I think some of the music Marty has made is. Um, not only culturally relevant, but actually quite beautiful. Um, some of the Destiny music he's made um, with such people as Paul McCartney is quite um, is quite beautiful, actually. Hmm. I think you need to send me some good tracks because I stopped at Halo basically, um, and I haven't listened to the Destiny soundtrack. So I'd love you to send through some some tracks. Sure, can yeah. do. I think that's that's me. That's it. Woo. That's uh that's the show. I'll uh, take us out. So it's been a very busy time at what we're listening to. We hope you enjoy some of these bonus episodes. There's going to be a little bit of a lag or a break in the middle around July, but hopefully you'll have enough content with rather long interviews and this episode to kind of tide you over to July-ish. So thanks so much for listening please as always check out show notes um check out our socials we're trying to post random things on there and support the artists that we've been talking about you know wait for Bandcamp fridays or all that sort of thing and um please yeah twitter facebook um instagram rate us on podcasts apps all that kind of thing thanks so much and we'll see you next time catch you josh see you mate Bye.